When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm your radio, radio show! Hello and welcome to the Nine or Nine podcast. It's episode ninety of the Nine or Nine podcast. Myself and Andrea are here, and I just surprised you with that fact. It seems. <laughs> oh, open up the can. <laughs> I, I, I got one of these. Um, Do you ever get those little uh, little IPA things? I have not. Are they any good? They're fucking lovely. I got this orange plunged orange pale ale oh. from the ha- Hatherwood craft beer company there's only one something and the orange one is lovely i love i love so. i love an orange or tangerine ipa i have to say mm. ultimate hipster over yeah because i was getting they've they've a couple of different flavors but um this is the only one i really like because i'm a bit funny with all these this ipa business yeah um, but i like this orange one those ones are nice. lovely there's a couple of nice brands uh that do those kind of orange or tangerine ones or citrus ones even they're really nice uh, i should look into more of them what do you what do you have there uh, i got a lagunitas uh summer ale so I did so because it's nice oh, and summery. That. So that's what summer ale. we're having a we're having a drink on the podcast. So what are we going to be talking about today? Yeah. Uh, we have uh, up for discussion. We have uh, Austra's new album, which uh, has a kind of uh, very strange title, which I currently can't remember, but I'm going to remember right now. It's called High Rudin, fourth album from Canadian artist uh, Austra. We'll be talking about that. That'll be our album of the week. Got songs from Jesse Ware, Arca, Hayley Williams and Participant coming up. Um, but first, it's been a fairly busy week considering lockdown stuff is... Uh, well, before we start into that, I have to ask. Uh, yesterday, you tweeted... This is, this is the thing of our times, right? You, you, you tweeted... All men look cute when they need a haircut. <laughs> there are no exceptions. There are no exceptions. Please explain yourself. Uh, right. As a man is, who really wants a haircut, I need to hear this. You look great. Like, so the thing is, whenever, even, you know, in the before times, whenever I'd run into a friend who was a man and I'd be like, God, your hair looks great. 
without question, without fail, their response is always, oh, I'm literally, I'm getting a cut tomorrow. I'm like, I think men just look best when they're just overdue a haircut. <laughs> so all these men now are on Twitter and Instagram doing selfies, doing selfies, I sound like my mother, taking selfies and being like, I need to cut my hair, I need to cut my hair. And I'm like, lads, you all look great. This is like... This is a very enjoyable time for me. And so I put, up, I, I put it on my Instagram and the amount of lads that like responded to me with their uh, like with their pictures of their hair, just being like, even my hair is my hair cute. And I'm like, yes, even your hair is cute. <laughs> Lean into it, lads. You don't know the power of the need a haircut do. <laughs> Maybe it's just your personal preference, though. Yeah, but that's, you know, that's. The only one that matters to me right now sure, is sure. is that. And, Fair you know, enough. I've been dealing with, you know, being around men with hair that's too short all my life. This is my time. Okay? <laughs> this is, and I can't get outside and look at them. Well, I'm desperately um, seeking a haircut this week, I think, because I'm starting to get those curly really? bits at the back that make me feel like Bono. They look great. They make me feel like Bono yeah. and I hate them. Well, do you, I mean, just do the back. You don't need to do the top of it or anything. Oh, you get an opposite mullet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just the leave fade. it. Just fade. leave it. Yeah, I'm, I will probably, just because I want it uh, this week, I'll probably mm. get it. But uh, yeah, I am tempted I, to I'd it, say but... the best course of action is for all men to just grow their hair and then we'll just, we'll round you all up and just shear you. Yeah. When this, when lockdown's over and then you can run around and, uh, <laughs> and do whatever it is that you meant. Yeah, you're going to, you're going to brand us we with can paint all go in as and well. Get our colors. <laughs> yeah, we'll brand you. He's sheared. He's done. Okay. What, run out in the field there now. Um, I'm so free. Yeah, like a, like a sheepdog has had his hair cut. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Anyway. Um, well, anyway. Well, there's been a lot of things happening other than haircuts or desire for haircuts this week. Um, we had a very quick um, spat, an Irish music spat that happened and then quickly dissipated. They shook hands. It was Dickie Rock and Johnny Logan. So so I sort of missed this. I was over before. Slash was not that. I, I, I wasn't really bothered clicking in and finding out who said what. Okay. Um, so I thought maybe you could explain to me well, and maybe other okay. ignorant people who might be listening. I tell you what, what happened. It was Johnny Logan. I think he was interviewed by Roisin Ingle for the Irish Times, and um, he said a couple of things about Dicky Rock, which is just it's just it's actually gas, and it's kind of like um, you know uh, Phoenix Knights or something like that. Be that kind of idea where these two, you know, like performers are at each other's throats or something like that. They're just like uh-huh. you know digging each other in the press so this is what johnny logan said about dicky rock what would dicky rock know about being a musician my life was a lot different from dicky's dicky's idea of an international tour was having to have a gig in england <laughs> i love dicky but he's a legend in his own head he lives in a fantasy world um logan finished his interview saying he'd hoped he'd keep his hair and uh, there you go <laughs> hair again and outlived dicky rock who was 17 years his senior and when dicky was asked about his he said uh, would he give so sorry just just on on logan there was this kind of apropos of nothing yeah like or have he, they had for some a, reason he was asked about dicky dispute. rock no they apparently they're right. friends this is the whole thing this is the whole oh, thing. right okay so okay. uh dicky rock in response uh was asked would he give johnny a hug because he sounded like he was sad or something or something so he said give johnny a hug i'd give him a fucking box <laughs> i'm 82 <laughs> even now i'd give him a box 
<laughs> so that's what Dickie said in response. And then uh, Johnny Logan put out a statement and said, last week I did an interview with the Irish Times newspaper in which I was asked to make a comment about a statement that Dickie had made. I don't know what the whole context is. It doesn't really matter right now, does it? It's all over. I told a reporter that it was none of our business, which was fair enough. But then we went on to make some remarks about Dickie, which at the time I meant jokingly. I regret those remarks and oh. I apologize to Dickie. Dickie and I have been friends for many years and I hope that no lasting damage has been done to our friendship. He's an Irish icon and has my respect. Okay, well, there is one other thing I have to point out because uh, the thing that I thought was really funny was that uh, the, I didn't put it in here. They they kind of go on, like Johnny Logan starts talking about how he sang for Pope John Paul, the Queen of England, Prince Charles, Diana, and all this kind of stuff. I toured with the Royal Symphony Orchestra. I've done the London Palladium about 20 times. Top of the Pops about 14, about 14 times. So he knows how many times he's done it. Get, he Dick, get Dickie to match one of those, you know. Um, so in response, in, in Dickie Rock's response after this, he said, uh, in defending himself and thinking about the, just going, doing a gig in England, he said he sang at a gig in Carnegie Hall, as well as for Michael Smurfett when he became an honorary consul to Monaco, referring to Smurfett as Irish royalty. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny. It was like, well, he, he sang for Prince Charles and who's our equivalent? Michael Smurfett. So there you go. Michael Smurfett. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I I like that the phrase uh, giving someone a box is still floating around out there somewhere. It's a, it's a fantastic turn of phrase, I think. I haven't heard it in a long time. Me neither. Summer phrase uh, 2020, for sure. Yeah. Um, Hit someone a box. Well, you can't be boxing people now. No. The distancing. You can't. But, you know, I mean, there are always exceptions. <laughs> That's true. You yeah. Who, who would you rather fight? Um, Dickie Rock or the other one I feel like uh, well Dickie Rock is 80, 82 <laughs> <laughs> is he <laughs> yeah I mean okay so we're going Dickie Rock then <laughs> no well Johnny Logan is 17 <laughs> years a senior so he's 71 oh uh, well yeah I mean so it's, shouldn't he it's, it's shouldn't hit to me like them. you don't fancy your chances against Logan I, I won't hit either of them unless provoked okay <laughs> I feel like Johnny fair. Logan would be taller than me though um Okay. I must check his height. <laughs> what height are you? Um, okay, well, I'm all caught up on that now. Okay, Thank you. Well, there you go. That's what happened this week. In other Irish news, um, the inevitable happened. Electric Picnic announced that it is officially cancelled, as we expected. Uh, cancelling our festival has become unavoidable, and we fully support the Irish government's ongoing measures to help fight the spread of COVID-19 and protect lives at this time, is a statement that came out. Clearly, probably not uh, written by Melvin Benn, who, as you remember, in June said, or in, in April, I'd say, when uh, March, was it March or April? In March, he said, uh, when, God knows, when the no. festival was announced, <laughs> I think from June onwards, we'll definitely be over the hump of it is all my view. As I say, I'm not a scientist, but I think we'll be all over the hump. And I think we'd be enjoying an incredible summer across the board. Um, yeah. And he was right. He was just in a different way. <laughs> um, yeah, so... So yeah, the inevitable happened. Yeah, it changed the tune there. I mean, yeah, it, it was inevitable that it was going to happen. Um, at least they put out a decent statement. Um, and obviously I feel very sorry for the people who were supposed to, you know, play and organize and people whose jobs it was. But um, I don't know, I'm not going to cry too much of a river about Electric Picnic being cancelled um, when you know, our priorities kind of, yeah, you need to, 
need to just kind of oh this is inevitable um but and then you know this comes on the uh back of the fact that uh you know um uh, Primavera was the other one that was really hoping to get uh, to go or keep going um, but that mm. is also but I think point. like fest- festivals like Primavera and Electric Picnic will survive this oh, yeah. is, is what I mean it's like the, it, it's not it's not as much of a blow for them as it would be for the smaller festivals that had to cancel pretty early on in the crisis so, um, but pretty aware they had already moved from May to August, uh, thinking that it wasn't going to last that long, um, and now they have rescheduled completely, citing force majeure. Um, and I'm not sure if that's just a term they used or some kind of insurance clause that they have in their insurance. Um, but most people don't have that insurance, it seems. But it's going to happen June. Twi- what What does that mean? That phrase? Uh, exceptional circumstances, essentially, oh, right, foreseen okay. like. Acts of acts of God, essentially, is what they acts of God. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it is an act of God. Well, yeah, but it depends on whether they have it in their insurance. Obviously, that's a lot of money. Either way, to to put it in there or to pay out. So, um, I'm sure to be if it is in there, there'll be some contestant, um, for sure. Uh, and do we know with Electric Picnic is there is there refunds available to people or is it just a, yeah. a straight up reschedule? It's the same as most other festivals. You can get a refund or you can keep your ticket for next year. Um, so that seems fair, I think. Um, yeah, that's what does, most yeah. people want. Um, it seems like it'll be the same lineup uh, in terms of headliners anyway than um, this year, so next year. So what that is going to do in terms of the uh, festival uh, lineups is interesting because that means that uh, there's going to be less room for... I mean, you're basically having this weird temporary year where no artists are going to break through and do anything. Uh, and that's a very unusual. Uh, yeah, I saw an article during the week. I don't have it to hand. I don't know who wrote it and I don't know for where, but it was um, discussing the idea that, you know, uh, yeah, I think it was maybe about the keynote in Cork and somebody had said, you know, it's going to be so much harder for smaller acts to actually get bookings in venues now when things do go back to normal because these venues are going to have to make their money back. Um, and the best way to make their money back is to kind of, you know, book sure things in terms of getting people in the door. Um, so I think that's that's going to have a really lasting effect. And it, that will obviously spill over into festivals as well, like slots that would have been fit, um, filled rather um, by breakthrough artists or, you know, people just kind of taking a shot on a band or an artist um they mightn't they they mightn't have the kind of financial leeway to kind of do that now which is a shame yeah it's um it's been really interesting just to watch that and then we talk about venues you know like and the reality is now our thoughts are starting to turn into how if gigs do come back how they will actually happen and uh you know, I'd say a lot of people in the venue uh, live music industry are currently talking about this and considering this. For example, Give Us the Night, um, the campaign uh, to improve Irish nightlife released a nine-point plan this week, which details some of those kind of ideas that they think the government should implement, including pop-up uh, festivals, easing of licenses, removing of uh, special exemption orders. So it's going to be very costly for anybody. It already is costly to run a venue and run a night, and especially a late license. So I can understand and I fully support the idea that now is actually the time to amend trading hours and and fix those kind of things, allow for different licenses, 
um, those kind of things. Um, the District Aid actually announced a lineup of uh, a local talent for uh, their reopening party. Now, there's no date for that yet, but there is a lineup of whenever, whatever Friday cool. or Saturday they said they're allowed open and, and they can make it work. This is what the lineup would be. So they've announced that. And they're actually giving the money to the artists in advance, which is cool. Um, so that's, that's a nice really thing. Cool. But it remains to be seen when that will happen. But uh, what is what was supposed to happen actually this Friday in uh, Arkansas, we in Fort Smith, this uh, country rock artist Travis McCready of the band Bishop Gunn was due to be the first American artist to perform a socially distant kind of uh, post-COVID first wave gig uh, in a sold out Ticketmaster show, Ticketmaster sold show this Friday night. Um, and they had a number of things in place, a uh, number of rules in place, which I'll go through just to give you an idea of what it could be like when maybe we get back to doing gigs here, what the requirements will be. I should say before that is that this gig actually is not going ahead. It was issued a cease and desist from the governor of the state, but largely because the lockdown doesn't isn't lifted in that state till May 18th and this has happened on the 15th so I think that's the major reason why it's not happening so these are the rules as well as the two feet or two meter social distant rules and and keeping people two people two meters apart as a precaution uh, the restriction from Ticketmaster's guidelines for selling this gig including the gig was sold at only 20% capacity. It's a 1,110 cap and they were going to cap it at 229, um, presumably to allow for staff and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Ticket buyers will be allowed to enjoy the gig in groups, but only in restricted fan pods, they're called. Each pod must be at least six feet from any other nearby pod and no pod can exceed 12 people. So uh, that's kind of just reminds me of some kind of like table service or something you might see in a club, but you just have to keep your distance. Um, everyone will be required to wear a mask throughout the entire performance and those who don't have a mask can purchase one at the venue. Um, all beverages will be pre-packaged or have a lid. Don't know how that's going to work if you have to keep a mask on you the whole time. <laughs> Necessarily. Cans. I don't know. Probably. Yeah, maybe. Cans. Just sipping it. Um, temperature checks will be taking at taken at the entrance of the venue. Anyone using balcony seating will not be permitted to use the elevator and all hallways and corridors will be one way only bathrooms will be limited to 10 people at a time and all soap and paper towel dispensers will be no touch venue has to be sanitized by independent third party prior to each event by fog sprayers so before and afterwards the venue has to be completely sanitized so that could be the future of live music uh, until there is a vaccine or there is some um, kind of movement in terms of uh, fixing the uh, or reducing the. Uh, Says nothing there about moshing. Well, any moshing. It sounds like you have to sit down and that's about it or you have to stay within your pod. No, it doesn't specify, but I, I gather you can't really do anything like that. The few things that I've seen recently in terms of events are like the drive in things and. I don't know about you, but, you know, I wouldn't really want to go to a drive-in gig uh, myself if you're in your car. I mean, you might get sound on the stereo, but you still have to look through a windscreen to look at a performance. And it, No, we don't, have re- we don't really have drive-through anything here because we don't have the climate to drive convertible cars. No, um, but there, so there is... We don't, we don't really do it here. Um, the team behind Bingo Loco just sent out a press release this afternoon uh, called Drive-In Events and driveinevents.ie and they say they are planning and doing um 
live shows and comedy and entertainment and movie screenings uh, in drive-in events this summer and they have plans for different cities in Ireland apparently so that Dublin, Galway, Kilkenny, Cork, Waterford, Limerick are on their website I don't know how that's going to work practically yeah but uh, so yeah just on the the socially distant gig there I mean I can see that working for quite a um like a, an acoustic show or some you know you could go to see the antlers like that um yeah. it's the same as like when we're talking about dinner in a show you're like can't necessarily yeah it doesn't suit everything no no and it, i mean that will probably not suit the vast majority of artists um but like you could imagine it working with some artists so that's something I suppose but I mean for the rest of them for bands who rely on um that sort of you know crowd that like kind of a a messy atmosphere it's going to be a long time before they get that again um which is sad but like I'd go to like a Lisa Hannigan or a Fionn Regan or something um if if it was those kind of guidelines i probably would but then again you know i think even just the idea of being in a room with other people is still so far away from where i'm at like even just being in the post office makes me nervous now these days so like and especially like when you when you start you know introducing alcohol into it you can imagine people will get a little bit absolutely god yeah and you can already tell like people are being lax in and for some reason in supermarkets i think because you keep to queue in to get to them, their people are not really maintaining their distance there. And I've I encountered that a lot in the last uh, couple of weeks of people just like wandering around and not being uh, aware or uh, of, of their actual surroundings and who they're near. And Oh, come here. I nearly had a run in with a couple last week in Little because they were couple spreading beside me while packing their I actually might have talked about this last week. I don't know. No, remember. you didn't. No. They were pa- okay. Well, they were packing. I've I've actually, I've told this to so many people that I can't remember who I've told it to, but they were packing their groceries, you know, at the like window thing. And I was packing my groceries and I was there first and they come over with their trolley and just like stand like right beside me and then all their stuff everywhere. And I was like, Lance, can you maintain distance? Of course, I didn't say that because no. I'm a coward <laughs> I just moved like right beside the bins you know where you put all your your did you like, at least exhale plastic that you don't want to bring oh yeah yeah I think I might have done a, a tut and I oh, hate good, tutting good. like I, it drives me crazy I hate it can't stand tutting but I think I might have tutted it was the right thing to do though um, right thing to do yeah you know yeah I think people are getting complacent and I think when the restrictions are uh, lifted a little bit next week you're going to see way more of that and that's a concern and then I sort of I kind of turned turned around and saw one of the staff people and I looked at them as if to say like can you not do something about this and then I was like hang on a minute no it is not their job <laughs> they have enough on the road but I did have this moment of like they should really do something about this and then I was like no it's re- it's really not their job to do this <laughs> like they have Far too much to be worrying about right now. Stop being such a coward. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you touched on a couple of reasons, uh, a couple of things were there that we're going to talk about in terms of my reason to be cheerful. Um, So it's time for reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. 
Okay, so uh, I guess really there are small moments to be cheerful um, at the moment. And one of mine is kind of sad, but also good. Um, so I don't know if you read yesterday, Dave Grohl wrote a piece for The Atlantic on the power of live music. And it was just a really nice reminder of what we're missing. It could be sad in a certain context, but at the same time, it was just a nice read that really made me feel, yes, there is something to look forward to. There are live music does matter live experiences do matter and why do they matter because he goes into talking about the intimacy of shows and even if it's in a huge stadium he talks about a, a u2 gig actually i'll read a bit out for you um when you take away the pyrotechnics confetti of an, an arena rock concert what are you left with just people i will never forget the night i witnessed u2 perform what used to be called the mci center in dc this was their 2001 elevation tour a massive production i waited for the lights to go out so that I could lose myself in a magnificent state-of-the-art rock show. To my surprise, the band walked on stage without any introduction. House lights fully illuminated and kicked into the first song beneath their harsh, fluorescent glow. Without the usual barrage of lasers and LED screens we've all become accustomed to, the brilliant move stunned the audience and began an unforgettable concert on a very raw, personal note. This was no accident, mind you. It was a lesson in intimacy. Without all the strobes and lasers, the room shrank to the size of a dirty nightclub at last call, every blemish in plain view. And with that simple gesture, we reminded that we're all indeed just people, people that need to connect with one another. I thought it was just a nice piece that, you know, sad and because it's what we're yearning for, um, and especially in our industry. But at the same time, um, I just thought it was a really well written piece that gave me a nice buzz. And uh, the other thing that gave me a reason to be cheerful this week was uh, the Matt Damon interview on Spin 103H. Just like, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Like, it's just like we're fawning over oh. Matt Damon because he's here. But I know. Uh, he seems like a lovely man. He said Leo Varadkar was uh, a badass. And you can just imagine Leo Varadkar just. God almighty. Yeah, no, I love having Matt Damon here. It's absolutely gas. Like, it's... Just... Two months. Two months he's been here. <laughs> Two months down in Docky. Mental. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice part of the world to be in. Docky's lovely. It definitely if is. it does, you know, terrify me. I learned um, he has his... Uh, his He has teachers for his kids staying with them as well. So, like, he's... Oh, does he? He's doing all right. He's doing all right. That's gas. So, him as kids and these teachers, is it? Yeah, and his wife, yeah. They're oh, and the there. wife. Yeah. Right, okay. So you know. And he said his uh, his eldest daughter isn't there, but she actually did get COVID nineteen very early on in college, um, but she's okay. We should try and try and get him on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> if, he, if he's doing spin, I mean, surely. Well, apparently they've been aggressively looking to talk to him, and so much so that even, that doesn't sound even, like them. Even sixty year old Bono himself heard about it, and uh, and told Matt Damon to to look them up. So they're. That's good. Um, reasons to be cheerful. Um, I I don't I don't really have much this week. Uh, I do I did enjoy the Robert Pattinson GQ interview. Did you read that? No, I didn't. I just saw some tweets uh, about Robert Pattinson, and I wasn't sure why. It is a, a portrait of a man who is losing his mind. Uh, it was done in in isolation, um, and. It made me cheerful to know that Robert Pattinson doesn't know how to make pasta and he Googled a recipe for microwave pasta because he doesn't know how to cook. Um, so that that made me happy. But yeah, he's he's such an interesting person. Like he's always been a bit, you know, 
a bit wild. Um, so then that that spurred me on to go and watch the um, Robert Pattinson, um, what do you call it, a commentary on Twilight. And nobody <laughs> hates Twilight more than Robert Pattinson hates Twilight. Um, so yeah, you can find some clips of that on YouTube. And he just, and then like I watched like a super cut of him just throughout the Twilight like press interviews and he just hates it so much he hates every minute of it he hates the story he thinks it's stupid it's really really fun <laughs> to go back and look at that okay. um yeah that made me cheerful this week also I, I'm I think he took all of the photographs himself for the interview and they're stunning like they're amazing photographs oh yeah that was the one um, i saw it was somebody's <laughs> okay that makes more sense now because <laughs> the tweet was basically set somebody going uh it was a picture of uh underneath him and it was like this captioned this and it was basically uh a microwave uh pasta about to go in in the microwave okay <laughs> the pasta the microwave. i was like ah right that yeah that makes, that makes more sense. sense now yeah yeah i mean they must have sent him out some decent equipment to take the photographs and lights and things like that but um yeah it's a really really cool interview like i think if you don't know much about robert pattinson beyond him being edward cullen you should definitely go and read it because he's he's you know the man's an artist like he's he's such an amazing actor um and a really truly odd guy um which i like very good um i have a surprise for you if that's everything that you have in terms of cheer yeah Um, that's all i have i what's this i i don't think you were uh, you did the quiz last friday last sunday did you no i was quizzed out did you see anything yet? Because I was going to ask no. you some quiz questions that I no haven't I seen anything. Go on. Um, so this isn't a uh, the, I did a quiz on YouTube, uh, the Nine Nine Music Quiz on Sunday, and uh, you were who very won? close. Um, who won? Um, or rather, Rob... my re- my real question is, how did Louise Burton do? <laughs> oh, very poor, very poor. Ah, Louise. Ah. She was in like 50th or something like that. I can't remember. Oh my goodness. It was. it was outside of the top 20 for sure. She was, yeah, very disappointed. Um, ah, get him next but, time. Yeah. Um, somebody called Bobby Dazzler won. And Phil Udell came second. So Phil Udell, formerly of State Magazine and of currently of Word of Collective, came second. So uh, yeah. So I'm going to ask you five, just five questions from the quiz. I'm not going to um, get anything, Niall. Okay. Oh, no. Well, I, I, can give you, I can give you the multiple choice if you prefer. All right. Um, okay. Yeah. Go the on. first one. The first one is a very easy one. I th- I don't think you'll need it. Okay. Ask um, me the question, and then if I want the multiple choice, yes. I'll ask for the multiple. We'll choice. do the okay. we'll do the opposite of um who wants to be a millionaire. who wants to be a millionaire exactly. Okay. <laughs> okay. Who was hospitalised this week after tearing his buttock bustles in an overenthusiastic garden incident? Is this a musician? It is a musician who was hospitalised after tearing his buttock muscles in an overenthusiastic. <laughs> Gardening incident. Um, go on, give us the give us the options. Is it Rod Stewart, Brian May, Elton John, or Pete Townsend? I even before you read them out, I was like, I bet you Rod Stewart is in this list. So I'm gonna go Rod Stewart. I don't know if it's right, but it seems likely. I'm surprised you didn't see this uh, no. uh this headline this week. It was actually Brian May. No he said, way. Please, please don't send me sympathy. I just need some healing silence for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Best lyric he's ever written. Yeah. Okay, second question. Okay. What is the name of the Guns N' Roses children's picture book that was announced last week? 
I can give you the options if you prefer. Uh, yeah, go on. Uh, well, um, I, I there's would a very obvious it. Guns N' Roses song that would apply to this. Okay, I'll um, give you the options. I'll I don't like options. Guns N' Roses. Okay, okay go grand, on. Grand, grand. Uh, is it A, Don't Cry, B, Sweet Child of Mine, C, Paradise City, or D, Welcome to the Jungle? Don't I cry, Sweet Child was... of Mine, Paradise City, Welcome to the Jungle. I'm going to say welcome to the jungle and then it could be a picture book about the jungle animals. Um, incorrect. The answer is actually sweet child of mine. Ah, that's obvious. too obvious, lads. I know, I know. So uh, the, it's a Jennifer Zivian illustrated book that pulls this narrative from the lyrics of the Guns N' Roses song of the same name and follows the adventures of Maya and Natalie Rose, the niece and daughter of the Guns N' Roses manager, Fernando Liebes, who have grown up touring with the band. That sounds captivating. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> third third question. Oh my god! Gonna... I have to get at least one of these. Okay, Jesus. I'm going to ask you five. Uh, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody and Procol Harms' A Wider Shade of Pale both feature what word in their lyrics? This uh, these are two of the biggest selling, uh, most popular songs of all time. I can give you what's the options. The, what does the second song go like? You know. It starts with like an organ and then it goes turns a shot wider. I was gonna say shiter. <laughs> a wider shot pale. Um will I give you the options? Yeah. Okay. Is it A Scaramouche, B Fandango, C Galileo, or D Mermaid? You you, you kinda need mermaid to know. Mermaid isn't the, in the Bohemian first... Rhapsody. <laughs> Very good. So it's not that. No. Uh, Fandango, Scaramouche. Um, what's the other one? Galileo. Do you know? Do you know the Procol Harum song at all? No, mm, I don't think see. so. Okay, the first line is basically the giveaway in the song. Okay, right. I'll say Galileo. It was Fandango. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, is it? Is that that that? Uh, what's the first lyric? Uh, I'm watching is... this quiz. I'm so sorry. It's <laughs> okay. Where is, uh, let me get the actual exact lyric, um, just to read it out to you. Hold on, hold on. Uh, Lilix. We skipped the light Fandango. That's that song, is it? I should have known that now. Okay, all right. Okay, well, I have two questions left. Two questions left. One is is a Kate Bush one. Will I give you that one first? Yeah, go on. Okay. Not confident. what age was Kate Bush when she wrote The Man with the Child in His Eyes? Oh, she was like, she was really young. She was, uh... yeah, yeah, uh, give us my options. Okay, was she I want to say like nine, 13 or something. 13, 18 or 21? 13. Correct. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> okay, the, the last one now <sighs> is a bit of a trick question because you're not going to be able to know the answer off heart. Um, but I well, that just, sounds great. <laughs> so it's a multiple choice guess. Um, okay, okay. So how many umbops are sung in the <laughs> Hanson song umbop? Uh, all Is right, it? hang on. Right, how are you defining an umbop? Because the just second- the. No, just I don't the count the do do wops. Okay. Or the do bops. It's umbop, just the very first bit. And then there's the part that are like in an umbop, you're gone. In an umbop, you're not there. So they do say it a few times. All right, yeah, go on, give us my options. Okay. 12, 16, 17, or 18. 
I'm going to say 17 because it's an odd number. And I reckon they probably say it in a verse where they don't say it in a chorus. I'm probably, I'm completely wrong, aren't I? You are correct. You are correct. Yeah. (laughs) They actually say it in the, in the, in the fade. Because it's an odd number. I'm like, they'll probably throw in an extra little umbop. Okay, very good. Yeah, it was in the fade out of it's in the fade out of the song. They actually say it uh, uh, just as the song is fading out. You can hear it. So there you go, there you go. Well done. Two out of five. Two out of five. And you're in the impromptu quiz. I actually used. um, I remember before you asked me some questions about band names. I had a whole round about original band names. So I thought it would be unfair to do those. That was in the old old office. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was ages ago. uh, Yeah. I use I had 10 questions about those and some they're really surprising ones in there as well. I don't know if we did you tell me this in the first place, but um, the band um, Goo Goo Dolls used to be called um, the Sex Maggots. <laughs> no, I didn't tell you that. That's the best thing I've ever heard. OK. <laughs> and then you know, the band Creed. Up you know, next the Christian it's rock. Iris by the Sex, the Sex Maggots. Maggots. Yeah. And then, uh, what was the other band? Oh, Creed, the American like Christian kind of rock band. Um, they were originally called Naked Toddler. <laughs> oh God! Oh, Very strange. Yeah. Okay. It's as good so a reason as any to give people a second chance. I think. Yeah. Yes. Thank. Thank you very much for my quiz. Okay, very good. Okay, it's time for Songs of the Week. Our first song this week is from Participant. It is called Oh No, Give Up. I made peace with pleasantries With minding my own mind Sitting still and sleeping late Just hemorrhaging the time Small comforts glean from blinking screens stretched out on the floor. Oh no, give up. You wrote this song before. I pick a point and focus. I'd run my lines each morning I'd slip away most afternoons If I were you If I were you If I were you How pedestrian. Okay, that was a new song from Participant. It is called Oh No, Give Up. Who is Participant? He's a Dubliner called Stephen Tiernan. Um, he has had a number of projects out, a um, number of tracks out and EPs and things like that in the last couple of years. Um, this song actually was one of my favorite of his I've heard so far. It's definitely one that struck a chord with me. Um, and I know that you're a fan as well. It's an inspiration from uh, the artist Inner Monologue. And Stephen says, um, when I finished the song and started planning the release, I had no idea the circumstances we'd be living in now. The title and chorus uh, lyrics intended as an overly dramatic warning to myself. An attempt to breed levity into other moments now seem to recontextualize the song as a whole. This was not my intent, but I feel I have to acknowledge it. I had considered renaming or tweaking the lyrics, but maybe moving the release, but I feel it would have defeated the purpose of the song. The song is not about giving up, but striking a balance between where you've been and where you are. 
yeah. so you're 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 you I like really song. like this um I think yeah the second verse in particular kind of the lyrics in there the um I made peace with pleasantries with minding my own mind sitting still and sleeping late just hemorrhaging the time small comforts gleaned from blinking screens stretched out on the floor it's kind of amazing that he didn't write this during the current crisis but I suppose I I I enjoyed kind of drawing a parallel between the 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 kind of the immediacy of of these words in a crisis and then just how how immediate they still seem when they're you know not a global crisis and they're kind of a crisis of the self um I thought there was a really cool kind of parallel there and it's a really pretty song it's a lovely melody I always enjoy his voice he he's a really um engaging vocal kind of timbre that I really enjoy and it's um yeah you know musically it's pretty uh, instrumentally anyway it's it's pretty straightforward but it just has this really nice kind of warming um yeah. vibe to it I hate using the word vibe sorry but like warming sort of sound um to it that is yeah it's lovely it's a really really lovely song yeah, I think this is my favorite kind of of what I've heard from him so far. And I think it's because it's so direct as well. Like it actually surprising me because I do actually like the kind of atmospheric stuff he does. But I think this actually works uh, best for him. Um, certainly in terms of what I've heard. So uh, I really enjoyed this. Um, your This is your second choice, actually, uh, for Songs of the Week. It is yeah. from Paramore uh, Singer, who has a solo record out, Hayley Williams. It's a song called Simmer. Rage is a quiet thing Oh, you think that you tamed it But it's just lying in wait Rage Is it in our veins Feel it in my face When That's Simmer from Hayley Williams. I was never really a Paramore fan. Um, I think sometimes I found her voice a little bit grating um, in that style, I mean. But I'm, undoubtedly, she's always been like a talent. Like her, her, her voice is so strong. I just never really in, enjoyed it in the kind of Paramore context. But this release now, um, I've only listened to the album through once and this was definitely the song that stuck out for me it reminds me a little bit of selena gomez's first release when she did her whole kind of like i'm a grown-up now thing uh called good for you um in that it's, it's sort of minimal and um a little bit off what you'd expect but i think here there's there is a little bit of throwback uh especially in the guitar line in the second verse and how her voice 
bends around the word fucker, uh, but she just sounds so much more controlled. And I think it serves the statement of the track um, really well, that being, you know, protecting yourself with kindness and softness and, and femininity and that being a, a brave act, you know, the wrap yourself in, in petals image. Um, I really like. It's a really highly produced track away from that kind of emo new metal thing from her past but I th- I think it, it's it's a sound that really suits her um I I, I like her paired back a, a little bit more and I, I like her kind of being a bit more wrapped up in production I think her voice sounds really interesting and it's not like she's just sort of yelling all the time it's she's she's actually has a really beautiful lower range um voice and there's a lot there's a lot more dynamic range um on show here and I think the album's really cool actually I mean like like I said I only had one listen through but I was very very surprised with how much I enjoyed it I did not expect to like it but yeah she said the song is about specific kinds of abuse and revenge she's received in her life uh, personal experiences with types of abuse uh uh, what I'm trying to do for myself more than anyone else is reframe my anger and try to learn from it instead of pretending it isn't there. Ask what it wants. The answer is almost never what you think it's going to be. I think musically, um, yeah, I guess I was a little bit surprised by this. It's because it kind of sounds like it could have been a lot of different people. It doesn't really stand mm. out itself. Um, you know, like Paramore itself, obviously the band make very... Uh, emo centric music and that's cool and obviously you're going to want to branch out if you do solo stuff but uh i kind of felt like this was like a cool like indie artist that i hadn't heard as opposed yeah. to you know Haley williams from Paramore. you know what i mean yeah had, which is why i liked it <laughs> yeah okay. yeah yeah i i i like the difference i think it was a cool step for her and i think it's kind of showing that you know she's, she's growing up a bit and she's growing out of that um sort of emo thing which is fine um she was obviously very successful with it but um yeah I I just I I like the idea of her going forward and maybe becoming a kind of an albums artist um and being successful with that and I I think with this she'll definitely maintain the fan base that she had initially but she'll like people like me who maybe didn't go in for Paramore maybe felt a little bit old for Paramore or maybe they were growing out of the emo thing when Paramore were were around um might actually pay attention to her again because she does have serious pipes on her um but it is nice in a way to hear her be a little bit more controlled and what is the name of the album the album is called it's loading uh petals for armor <laughs> petals there for we armor. go there we go okay that's our second song of the week uh our third choice this week is from arca and it is a song called non-binary i do what i want to do when i want to do it but you got the bags to prove it hips to move it around and make shapes yes trim the waist off and the waist down girl it slipped off it's french tips wrapped around a dick do you want to taste i don't give a fuck what you think you don't know me you might owe me a bitch, you'll never know me. Ask me how I got here. Bitch, I work hard. Ask me about my luck. Yeah, I've been lucky. And I've been unlucky. It's both. Don't push your shit on me. Bitch, I'm special. You can't tell me otherwise. Better be alive. Who do you think I am? It's not who do you think you're dealing with. No. Because you're not dealing with... 
There's no deal. It's just real on my side. Go ahead, speak for yourself. Go ahead, speak for yourself. Cast the first stone. If you want to be a puppet. Better yet, speak for yourself. States. Speak for yourself. States. Speak for yourself. States. Speak for yourself. States. Speak for yourself. So that was Arca, the first song from our forthcoming album, Kick Eye, which is uh, comes after a 60-minute single track, simply entitled At, 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 At. Um, what can I say about Arca is that she is a Venezuelan producer and artist, very much a multidisciplinary artist um, who was responsible for one of the one of the gigs I absolutely hated. I, I liked a body and soul a couple of years ago. I just oh. was not in the mood for this. Um, yeah, I was really looking forward to seeing it. And then I got there and I was like, this is total gibberish and awful and terrible. Um, I just wasn't in the mood for it. And uh, it was kind of maybe because it was more like a really out there alternative drag show as opposed, but it wasn't even like that. It was more, it had elements of a drag show, but it was also just like, it, I th- honestly think it was just like somebody um, talking gibberish over an electro beat half the time with then some ambient music. And I really like Arca's earlier stuff had a lot of textured kind of ambient music and really big kind of sounds to it. But uh, this is interesting. I think this is this nine binary track has a lot to say. And it, Arca says it talks about speaking for your self states in the track and has that kind of you know militaristic kind of kick drums and and things in it and i really like this because it sounds like something that it isn't like anything else sounds like completely its own thing uh arca has worked with bjork before clearly another artist who is uh capable of world building and i feel like we're about to maybe hear an album i hope we're out to hear an album from arca which has that kind of those kind of elements to it, where it's very world building and completely its own thing. Obviously, coming from uh, like the title suggests, non-binary, we're talking about an artist who has transitioned over the last number of years as well. So, and he's also doing quite interesting things in terms of fan support and stuff like that. Not only just a Patreon, but also has a Discord um, kind of audio chat and and uh, message board where fans of Arca can gather and chat. Um, So Arca says about this song, uh, it's all about bringing together all of these different facets of the self and her work uh, without being beholden to anyone. It gives me the feeling of possibility to not allow for easy categorization. I wouldn't want to just go pop and I wouldn't want to go full experimentalist. That's where a non-binary mode of thinking feels really fertile. It opens possibilities rather than collapsing things, allowing for change without resisting it. How did sure. you find Arca's non-binary? Um, I I really liked it. I kind of found it um a bit difficult to get my head around at first. Um, but I can't really resist that kick in when it happens. Um, the I mean, I guess the thing about this track is that it feels way more of like a statement of intent regarding an album or almost like, you know, a preview that 
isn't really giving too much away around an album. Now, Skype did have a little bit of a shit fit there, so I missed a little bit of what you said, but I did hear you say the word album, so you might have made this point already. But yeah, this it, it might this might make a little bit more sense in an album context, I think. Um, but I think yeah, once once the track kicked in and I started like getting my head around what she was doing with like what what was musically happening I found that really kind of interesting and captivating the only thing was I wanted a bit more of it I wanted to kind of see her go a little bit further um in maybe the third third of the song like the last third of the song um I thought maybe it ended a little bit soon but it it felt like a preview you know it felt like a um just just something to kind of tease our interest that w- gave us a little bit less than what a single does. Um, I didn't really know this artist before, but I will definitely check out this album off the back of this because I think that she's obviously an artist that has something cool to say. Like visually, the the music video for this is like very out there and cool, very Bjork inspired. There's definitely some parallels there with like Grimes as well. So, um, I mean, in, in terms of like, visual stuff I'm like really interested in in what she has to say in that sense so yeah I'll definitely check out the record I don't know if it's going to be like entirely for me but um I did find this track a slightly challenging listen um initially but then once I sort of kept going back to it and just sat with the lyrics for a little bit I was I started to kind of get what was being said I think yeah I think for me I really appreciated the directness of it compared to some of Arca's previous work which um it may be challenging feels like like it's more on the level of challenging for the sake of it as opposed to trying to say something real and I felt like this was trying to using interesting ideas and, and using interesting sonics to say something interesting and then combining it with a with a video that is really interesting and very unique and individual and we're talking about Arca and an artist who seems to be developing um her own complete visual style and like it's almost like the underground or kind of equivalent of the little monsters what's going on there with Arca and uh, her fans and on discord and patreon and twitch and stuff like that so it's really interesting to watch all these artists at the moment use zoom and twitch and stuff like that to really reach out but discord is the first time i've seen that being used as a platform to connect um people and i think that's really interesting yeah so uh, i must have a look at that a bit more did you see so, um what's her name amanda palmer announcing her split from um what's his name the writer um Neil Gaiman Neil Gaiman on her Patreon um and apparently like he didn't know anything about it (laughs) like he he had like come to the UK or gone to the UK um and she was in the US and like the impression you get from reading it is that like they were taking a bit of time away from each other or whatever then she just puts up on her Patreon like yeah we've split up I'm really sad read more about it behind this paywall and it's like Amanda like would you not do yourself at least one favor ever like but yeah just on on artists using different uh but <laughs> well, she's she's a whole other story I suppose but um yeah but yeah has... this is cool Arc is cool I will go back would you recommend going back to older 
stuff or just yeah there's definitely really interesting music that arca has released over the years i was i'm not au fait with all of it i've definitely given everything a listen but there's only a few tracks i'd really go back to regularly but i think there's enough there to suggest that arca is a really talented sort of visionary artist and there is that potential there um so uh, i think bjork recognized that as well by working with her so I think you're going to see, hear more. So I think it's going to be an interesting one this year to hear that album. I don't think there's a date for it just yet, but uh, I don't see a date for it just yet, but uh, I'd say it'll be soon. And definitely some of the artwork and stuff like that looks like, kind of reminds me of FKA Twigs as well. Yeah, the um, video as well was a little bit FKA Twigs, I think, yeah. yeah. So that's cool. Uh, and more of that, please. It's always good to have those kind of challenging artists doing kind of, completely different things and uh trying their own paths so that's cool um <laughs> our next artist is going to be a little bit more safe than arca it is jesse ware who has a new song out called save a kiss So that was Jesse Ware. Song is called Save a Kiss. Uh, Jesse Ware has been releasing a lot of uh, tracks leading up to the album, which is called What's Your Pleasure? Long awaited uh, follow up. Uh, it's coming out on June 19th. And the thing about Jesse Ware for me, I've always found is that I love her voice, but I feel like if she just can find the sweet spot between um, the kind of lovely R&B and kind of Sade soul she does and um, the kind of like she's really good at, at jumping on club bangers like when she did with Disclosure back yeah. uh, a few years back and then she had an, a track out with the bicep produce called Overtime I think that's great so this is more like somewhere between this is more like a Robin-esque pop banger than anything she's done recently um, but her voice does lend herself very well to that kind of club environment as well but she's also has the shade kind of coolness going on as well so i'm looking forward to hearing this album overall but i was actually the last she had a song out the week before called ooh la la which i really liked and um i there's a couple of people involved in the album who would pique my interest um james ford from simeon mobile disco joseph mount of um metronomy uh, adam bainbridge of kindness and there's a few people in there. Benji B is involved in Mirage, Don't Stop. Um, and so I'm just interested. I really want um I really want a really good album again from Jesse Ware. And I think she has she has that ability. So hopefully we get. Mm. It's funny, today I was uh I was listening to this track, and Jesse Ware is an artist that I never really connected with a whole lot and I think it's probably because of what you mentioned there is the idea that I I don't think she's 
I don't think she really has a niche. Like I think she she does she does the R and B thing like with her when she kind of turns her vocals a much more soulful. She obviously has a really beautiful voice. She does that, you know, well enough. She does the the dance bangers like this well enough. But I I don't know. I I haven't found an, anything in her music so far anyway. And you know, I haven't delved in very much this is very much just kind of me going off her you know her most popular tracks on Spotify or whatever um but I remember thinking today I was like she doesn't really strike me as someone who is an albums artist and then I read an interview with her and saw that she had an album that was nominated for Mercury Prize so I I think maybe she's just like passed me by or something um Uh, I think I think in fairness to you she has never released a really great album she's always Mm. had great singles here or there great Mm. features but the albums have always been a little bit too safe I found yeah, um, so I think that's, that's the thing is that her. she does strike me as somebody that's very safe. I think this is a pretty safe track. Um, it's it's good. It's good for a bop, you know. But um, I don't I don't know if it like if it would make me that interested in hearing the album. I will say she seems like a cool gal. Um, I know she's got Have you like listened a to her podcast. podcast. Yes, yeah, I, I think I've listened to like a couple of episodes of, of her podcast, and she just comes across as like really sound. And I, I want to like her. Um, I, sorry, I, I want to like her music. I like her. Um, but I guess it's it, it it's a mixture for me between her playing it safe a lot and not really having a niche that. Um, that I th- think that somebody with her voice kind of deserves to have. Like I, I do love her when she's on, like on on that disclosure track. I thought she was amazing. Like I think she should be doing stuff like that. Um, and then also, just sort of it not being my uh sort of genre of music either. So her music kind of gets a little bit lost for me in that way. L- like I said, I think I think this this song is. It, it's more than fine you know it's good it's it, it's it's a good bop um if it came on in a club I'd sing along but um I don't I don't think it's a song that I haven't heard before either yeah you know? I think that's fair um I think her best work has generally been the work that either either been remixed of her original stuff or the stuff that she's done with the likes of Subtract uh KDB she did a song called Aaliyah as well that's that was a great song I like that song yeah like so yeah she has done those kind of things. She's well able for those big, um, big moments, and uh, she's well able for the softer moments as well. But I think my favorite, personally, and that's think what I'm kind of saying is like I do struggle a little bit with the, the niceness of it. Sometimes I just want it to be a bit more, less polished mm. here and there. Um, so I'd be interested to see what the album is like. Uh, when it comes out, it's called What's Your Pleasure, and it's out on June nineteenth. Okay, it is time for our album of the week this week, which comes from Austra, which is a Canadian artist, Katie Stelmanis. Uh, this fourth album is called High Rudin. It is the follow-up to 2017's Future Politics. And um, this is a song from it called Anyways.
All right, that was Austra. Song is called Anyways, the fourth album from Katie Stelmanis. Um, there have been a number of these tracks released in advance, and uh, I have to say, it did feel like I wasn't sure where this album was going. I've always liked Austra's music for its combination of her operatic vibrato voice and its the kind of more clubby tendencies as well. Uh, here, what we're getting is kind of different for Austra. Um, and I guess for a lot of people, it's been put across as a really positive thing. Um, it's basically about, this is an album tracing its personal journey towards regeneration after a breakup, uh, dealing with the fallout of a toxic relationship, uh, queer shame and insecurity. Um, Hyrudin, or however you pronounce it, I'm not sure, is named after the peptide released by leeches that is the most potent anticoagulant in the world, uh, High Rudin is about the importance of the of the healing of the self, letting go of harmful influences, finding the power to rebuild. Uh, for the first time, um, Stamanis usually works with um, a couple, three or four people in a live context, but very much Austria is her project. But uh, and has she has been the sole producer? But uh, this time she was uh, worked between Toronto, London, and Spain with co-producers Roddy McDonald, who people would know for the XX as well as Joseph Chapasson, um, who I'm not familiar with. Um, but I find I struggled with this album. Now I have to say I was really looking forward to it. I've always liked the Austria albums. The first album was called uh, Philip Break from 2011. I remember seeing her at um, SOS that year when I was there, the year before, 2010. And really exciting. I loved her voice. Her voice cuts through a lot of different things. Um, the album Olympia came in 2013 and I really enjoyed that as well. And less so probably with Future Politics in 2017, but I, I did enjoy a lot of that song. Here I'm finding there's not a lot here to grasp onto for me. I don't feel there's many highlights of the album. It's her best, like her best work. It's her voice, that vibrato voice that dominates and lingers in the memory. But I'm finding less musically here that I'm really interested in. She's been always very good at those kind of electro pop kind of bangers or like really emotive, heartfelt stuff. But I'm finding surprisingly because of the album being uh, more personal. I'm feeling it like it's less, it feels less personal to me somehow. Um, and I think that's just the way she sings. And I think, I don't know, I think the music doesn't quite match the f feeling and the emotion that she has in a lot of her best work. Uh, there's a presence of live percussion here. There's a lot of piano work as well. Um, so it's less clubbier, but it also feels in a way, like we're talking about Jesse, uh, where in a way it's kind of safer in a lot of ways. It doesn't feel like it really stands out an awful lot. I think where it does succeed is probably lyrically a bit more, but, but having said that, I don't think it, an album's lyrics really succeed if you have to read the genius page or the liner notes to to really get the meaning of it because I think she's kind of singing them in a way that I don't quite um, get the sentiment of. There's a real disparity between the sentiment of those songs. Like there's there's songs here, like one of the first ones she's... Uh, obviously, it's a, talking about a breakup or a toxic relationship. You make me so angry. I love you. I love you. Come back and change this shitty feeling. Every word of mine deserves to be acknowledged. In a song called All I Wanted. It's what you did when you secretly called her. You went out on a date and you lied to me. And a song called uh, Your Family. And when your family comes back to town, you know what you'll say when they ask about me. And on paper, they sound interest like interesting lyrics. But 
On paper, they sound like Julia Jacqueline lyrics. Yeah, from crushing. but there's no, there's none of that kind of really heavy crushing emotion that you get from those in the songs. It very much feels like she could be singing anything. Um, and it's, you don't really get that, those deep sentiments here. It's lacking that good punch of a, a, an artist like Julia Jacqueline who uses the music in that way to really underscore that point where here I feel like they don't quite gel at all for me and I was a bit disappointed so maybe it was one of those things that was very cathartic for a songwriter but uh, I'm certainly not connecting much with it after about four or five minutes. Mm. Yeah you know I, I actually I agree 100% I think like she does have that kind of Florence Welsh duality of a voice that is classically trained and you know using strings and harp and so on with pop hooks and electronic moments and there there are songs on this that I like I like it's amazing and I really like the opener um anyways which we we played at the at the top of this I think it has a really great hook the the vocal harmonies are great the melody is really strong it's actually dynamic and it it builds to something worthwhile and I like the chorus it's that kind of unapologetically kind of 80s pop nearly um it's cheesy and it works really well um and I also really like the final track on it Messiah which has I think an interesting take on the idea of like a savior I liked that the melody sounded like a religious song that you'd learn in school um that that worked really well for me but I think where she loses me is in the mixing I think particularly her vocals in the chorus of um, how did you know sound buried um, and then you have these sort of very instrumentally sparse verses that don't really go anywhere they don't pay off they don't, they don't feel like they build too much and she's an artist that you know her harmonies are great and that song could have really done with some more of them Um, yeah I, I, I agree with you in, in terms of like you know connecting with the album's concept it felt too thematically sparse for me um and I think musically as well I wanted variation in her vocal work a bit like she's working with interesting instruments and the bones of a very good sounder here but there was a certain kind of like depth or resolution or complexity of theme that was missing for me I think maybe I wanted like less dance and more classical influence or less classical influence and more dance but either yeah, way I don't think it falls the enough. balance of the two yeah. styles was just off kilter to me like I think it just the the two didn't gel or meld as well as I wanted them to, and the the good moments, the the songs I I, I mentioned there that I liked, I do really really like. Um, I think I I think that that opening track, you know, when I was listening to it, I was like, yeah, I could really get into this album, and then it just it it just sort of went all over the place for me, unfortunately. And yeah, like like you said, it it might have been a cathartic sort of um moment for the artist and that's that's great but I I certainly couldn't connect to very much on it unfortunately um which is a shame because I think yeah the the blueprints for a good album are here but they just weren't laid down yeah and I think in that way it kind of does feel a bit more like a uh a kind of a pivoting album an album that is uh the first point in a regeneration perhaps for we're talking four albums in from an artist who has pretty much defined your sound uh, very uh, 
I mean, it's been very, you can tell exactly her voice cuts through a lot of things. You could, you know what kind of person she is. Um, and here it does feel like a pivot to something new and maybe that something new isn't quite this yet. Um, Do you know who produced the album or is it Yeah, no, it was self-produced or... herself what? and then uh, Roddy McDonald who did... Um, the XX and another guy called Joseph Shabason, who I will Google now and just check who he is. Yeah, I mean, I I guess for me the the production was maybe I don't know. I think there was there was decisions made about maybe some arrangements and um, instrumentation that I I just I think they were maybe the wrong decision. Like I said, sometimes her voice is buried when it really should be. It should be foregrounded. And then other times there's no dynamic in her voice. It's, you know, she's she's at a 10 and she stays there for the whole song. And it's it's it sort of lacked it, it lacked any kind of moment where it, it hit me, you know, that that really great moment, especially with, with such a strong vocalist. You expect to have those moments of like tingles and shivers when they really, you know, nail those notes um, but I didn't get any uh, from from her on on this. Like, I mean, my favorite track was the eighties one. You yeah. Know? Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, Joseph Shabazan actually contributed to um, bands such as uh, Destroyer and the War on Drugs, and is best known for playing saxophone. So there you go. Um, that's and mad. The piano- that like you you got Diana. Like, sorry. It's it's mad that you've you've got you know producers that work with the XX, and then you've got like like Destroyer and so like. Ba- bands that are known for like very strong production that I, I don't know I, I, I think it's really lacking on this yeah I think that's fair enough I think that's fair enough and that's I can't imagine myself going back to this an awful lot at all and that's a pity because I'm a fan of Austria and I do feel like um, there is some really good music there in, and especially the first album uh, there's really good uh, tracks on the third second and third albums as well so definitely worth a listen but overall yeah this isn't really doing it for me um, and slightly disappointed I think what are we going to be talking about next week we're talking about um Probably Perfume Genius and maybe Charlie. Yeah, Charlie XCX has an album out next week, so we'll see what that's like. That's her isolation album. Okay, we will finish uh, the album of the week with a bit of the song uh, Mountain Baby from the album, which also features a kids' choir uh, from the Wilkinson Public School in Toronto, where Katie, from aka Eustra's mother, is a teacher.
that was Oustra. Song is called Mountain Baby, and the album is called High Rudin, and that is the fourth album from Katie Stalamandis. Uh, so, any other business this week, Andrea? Before I leave you, um, let me see now. Um, what have I been doing? <laughs> what have you been doing with yourself? I what have I been listening to? I don't know what I've been listening to, Niall, to be honest. I'm trying to look at my Spotify here. Um, I recently played. Seems like I've not been listening to very much at all. Um, I've been reading a lot. Um, I read... I'll tell you now what I read. I today finished um, Heartburn by Nora Ephron, uh, which was great. Really enjoyed it. Um, it'd been on my list for ages. You know, one of, the, one of those books that, like, everybody seems to have read. Um... And I do think that there should be more novels that have recipes within them. Um, I've been listening to the Harry Potter um, audiobooks when I'm like going to sleep or pottering around because um, I've never really listened to them. And I, I was sort of looking for something to just have in the background that like I can tune in and out of like I know I know these books so well that or or like I can fall asleep too and it doesn't matter if I fall asleep and I'm and I miss some so um I totally get I that. also read sorry go on. I totally get that I I, I do that yeah. with audiobooks as well I like to listen to things I already know because I just because you kind of drift in and out or you like fall asleep to it or whatever so you don't really exactly miss yeah I think I think pe- people have that about tv shows as well whether it's like Parks and Rec or the U.S. office or just s- something that you can have in the background and it's sort of low pressure um so that's been really nice um I was reviewing a very cool um collection of short stories called Galway Stories 2020 I think it's out soon um, that I really, really recommend people read, whether they're from Galway or not. Um, just a just an amazing uh, collection of twenty stories from Galway City, and then you know places outside of Galway. Um, just really, really brilliant. Um, and then I also read Ali Smith's uh, Winter, um, which is the second book in her seasonal quartet. Uh, the three books have come out and the fourth one is due. Uh, so spring is out. That's next on my list. And then summer will be out uh, soon. But it's a really, I, I, I don't know, if, have you ever read any Ali Smith? No, before? I haven't, no. She's a she's a re, she's like kind of a once in a generation sort of author like she's really like just oh she's doing stuff that you know is <laughs> mind boggling to me but um this seasonal quartet's amazing because it's so it's so current they're written very 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 quickly and turned around and published very very quickly so um I mean when I was reading autumn the the Brexit vote was kind of just done or like you know only a couple of uh, a couple of months back and there's references and kind of thematic ideas around uh, Brexit and the idea of borders and the idea of um, immigration and, and things like that but it's also a very um, sort of lyrical and creative and um, a little bit absurd um, read and Winter is uh, the one I read this week um, sort of follows on from that uh, you you don't need to read them in order but if anyone hasn't read Ali Smith before I recommend starting with Autumn just well I mean that's where I started so and I haven't gone wrong yet but um yeah I thought w- winter was amazing I'm going to start uh, spring this week now um and it's just so stunning that she turns these things around so quickly uh, in terms of watching things I watched 
uh, I'm still watching Ozark, which I'm really enjoying. It's very bleak. It's very dark, um, but very enjoyable all the same. Um, and I also watched Julie and Julia, another Nora Ephron, um, uh. <laughs> which is just like the most lovely, joyous. Because I actually I saw that... Um, Aoife Barry was doing something with the IFI, a kind of like a watch along thing. They were supposed to do a screening, but then obviously with everything, they did like a watch along thing and I missed it. And I was like, I really must go and watch Julie and Julia. Uh, so I watched it again and it's just oh, so good. Um, if, if you need a hug, watch Julie and Julia. Like it's just such a joy. I, may, a I may have said this before, but there is a version of that film that doesn't have the, the uh, Julia parts julie julie yeah which one sorry am i saying oh yeah yes. i'd watch that because julie is so annoying <laughs> the the, yeah. the writer the a- yes. amy adams character yeah, is amy so adams. annoying <laughs> and I, I literally just like and i love amy adams and like i think you know she works she's she's good in the film she plays the part well but like her character is so annoying it's like oh my god no one cares about your blog um yeah. but meryl streep is just like obviously amazing as julia child like she's so stunning and so large and looming and yeah she's brilliant. you know she's obviously she's next to stanley tucci who's just playing this like absolutely completely doting husband um yeah it's just it's an absolute pleasure to watch well, um, and you... it, like ma- make sure you have food in the house though because you'll be starving watching it oh yeah. my god um speaking i think you can watch the the julia child version on vimeo somebody did an edit of it so just without the julia brilliance in case... i think i'll actually just watch that this week <laughs> <laughs> it'd be shorter anyway so you can do that um, yeah, and speaking and to bring it all back to where we started with haircuts doesn't uh, amy adams character have the worst haircut at some point in it um off really throughout <laughs> i don't know who decided to do that to amy adams who has beautiful hair like really gorgeous hair. I don't know why they just didn't give her a normal bob. They gave her this really weird. Uh, my housemate actually thinks that she was trying to go for a um. What's that um actress's name who was in You've Got Mail? All those, all the uh, other Meg, Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. Yeah, it was sort of supposed to be like a late nineties Meg Ryan cut, right. but it just didn't suit her at all. Like it looked really, really bad on her. Like it takes a lot to make Amy Adams not look stunning yeah but my god they tried so hard with that haircut. well that was one of the takeaways i remember from that film i just remember being like god it's so bad the haircut why did they do why? that to her and also her boyfriend in it is so boring why was he a character like he's so boring like imagine trying to like compete with stanley tucci as the other love interest in a film like nightmare yeah not happening not happening <laughs> yeah uh that's that's everything for me I very think. good yeah. um well i have been moving house as as we know settling into my new house uh nothing really other to report than continuing to watch the sopranos and the tv show high maintenance again um, which is great and then uh, i started a couple of episodes of Friday Night Lights because I've heard so many things about it over the years. Um, yeah, what's it like? I've uh, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, it's good. It's good so far. Um, because I think Explosions in the Sky do the soundtrack, don't they? Yeah, like they're one of my favorite bands. Yeah, you like it so. I think sometimes their music sounds a bit too like uh, 
like cheesy college rock for a show for a soundtrack no. thing it's kind of makes oh, yeah, too yeah. much of an impression on the music on the actual show but um so and f- i'm afraid as well that i know their music way too well for me to for it to not drag me out of the narrative if yeah i'm watching it it does you know? seem like there's a lot of interesting things in it i'm only in the first two episodes in so um we'll have to see but uh it is it's it's good it's definitely got potential i have not watched you know people are like oh i've watched so many things during the lockdown and i've barely watched mm. anything i think so no i'm basically just watching the movements like all the time. <laughs> you're still on your movements buzz oh yeah I'm, okay. I'm very much still on the movements buzz yeah fine that's allowed that's cool you got your yeah. mug oh do you know what i did what i did want to say is there's an episode of reply all it's out a while now but it's called um i'll find it now um so do you know reply all you know that yeah that podcast um this episode follows a a guy, so it's it's a super tech support episode where which is a a segment they do um where you have a very very extremely specific tech problem that you can't solve, so you contact the guys and they solve it for you. So this guy gets in touch um and says, "Guys, I ha- I've had a song." stuck in my head for 15 years oh i can't find the song right i've heard this it's called it's called the the case of the missing hit and the episode follows him and the two presenters of, of reply all um trying to locate the song trying to find out if it even was a song at one point um so the the guy knows that like he's got the song so much in his head that he can sing all the lyrics he knows all the instrumentation so they hire this band into this studio and he's like singing to the band being like yeah and then the bass goes like and then the drums are like this and then the band record the song and it's just it's this whole journey getting from one place to the other and I I mean I'm not going to say anything about the ending because it's amazing but if anyone hasn't listened to that episode you don't have to be a fan of that podcast or anything but I that podcast is amazing but it's just such a journey so it's uh, the case of the missing hit it's episode 158 of reply all and you can listen to it on um on Spotify definitely recommend for for music fans especially for people like for people who are interested in like the idea of an earworm or anything like that and the psychology of music um 100 recommend listening to it yeah very good it is brilliant episode and uh yeah when it came out i saw so many like pieces about it online they were like is this the best podcast episode ever like so did i and i was like it might be <laughs> i mean besides our like drake reviews that we've done um it's probably it's probably up there. Like, it's really good. Andrea, has, you, you know, nearly I mean, went a full week without you mentioning Drake. I, come here, you don't. <laughs> you brought him up the last time. Yeah, but we nearly went a full week and I didn't mention this time. I'm just saying. I know. Cut it out. Okay. Cut, cut this section out, All please. Right. All right. Um, yeah that's it i think cool all that remains of me to do is to thank all of our patreon subscribers patreon.com forward slash nine for supporting the website and the podcast and uh, thank you so much you enabled us to do keep going and doing what we're doing in this time of lockdown it means that we know that there is some money at the end of the month there for us when there is no other revenue available to us and um, so thank you for that patreon.com forward slash nine 
and uh yeah that's really it i'm gonna i'm gonna go and chill out tonight i think i'm gonna go and maybe watch succession again at some point this week i just you know what i might go, i might go and give it another go oh yeah did you give up yeah well not on purpose but i just haven't gone back to it but um no, I will. I saw some people tweeting about it this week and I was like, right now, I must give that another go. Yeah, do do. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's one of my favorite shows. The last I'm going to make pasta days. sauce tonight. I think I think I'm in the same boat. I think I'm in the same yeah. boat. So in keeping with that, our ending song is called Take Time Tonight. It is from a Belfast producer called Moon oh. Paw Print. And we're going to leave you with it. And Andrea, thank you very much. Uh, not as long as thank last you. week. We're clocking in at about an hour and a half, probably this time, but still. Oh my. That's about the normal amount this time, as we're True. doing for our podcast this week. All right. Great. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Talk to you all we next week. You. Bye. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Bye. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.